The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. How is your work life going? Business, home, social? How about your health? Could you make some changes? Of course you could, but how and where to start? This is Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. In this program, we'll help you identify and make the changes in your life that need to be made. And by doing so, increase your potential for success. And now, here's your host, Hemda Mizrahi. Welcome to Turn the Page. I'm Hemda Mizrahi. Our conversation today focuses on fulfillment and financial security in the so-called retirement years. I was speaking with my father, a very active 75-year-old. He and my mother, who's 72, have been running a preschool business for almost 40 years in Forest Hills and Rego Park, New York. My father suggested that depression in one's later years would be a valuable topic for an upcoming show. Specifically, he was talking about how people feel disheartened because they can't physically do the same things that they used to do. Adding my thoughts to his, I would also say that many of us in our younger years look forward to our future. As we pass a certain age, we face our movement toward an inevitable end. Today's episode will focus on the light before the end of the tunnel. Here to guide us in that process is author, executive search firm entrepreneur, and professional investor, Scott Gerson. Scott's the author of The New 100, A Revolutionary Guide for Living for Ages 60 to 100, which is scheduled to be released this summer. He draws on his success in living with financial freedom, balancing work and personal time, and keeping healthy in sharing strategies for people over 60 to live with fulfillment. Scott, I'm thrilled to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, Hamda. It's my pleasure to be here. And thank you for hosting us also in your offices at Focus uh, Capital. My pleasure, and I love to be here every day. And my mission in life is to give everybody else the financial freedom and the joy of living. So when we all reach that age of 60 and go to 100, I call that the new 100 because that'll be called the new 60. I just want to get there now and relay all the information and strategies I have to make people feel comfortable during those years. That's fabulous. And and you gave me permission to say you're 63. I am. And living it well. Just getting started is always my motto. Mm-hmm. So in your book, you suggest that people not retire. I sure do. I think one of the big things we all have and we all face is when you watch the news and watch television and listen to financial strategists, they all say plan for retirement. What's your number? How are you going to live? Are you going to have enough money? What are you going to do? Are you going to be healthy? These are all issues everybody faces, and people start thinking about those things now in their 20s and 30s as they start saving for retirement with 401k plans and Keo plans, IRAs. We're all obsessed with that. And I say never retire. And once you rid yourself of of that barrier to life, uh, you're free. 
And now I want to I teach people how they can do that and how they can afford to do that. So when you say never retire, what does that mean? That means always having something in your life. Maybe it'll be a new business that you're going to start. Maybe you just want to work in Starbucks and pursue an art career and just have additional money to do that. It's not your job that defines you. It's you that defines you and how you feel about yourself. I always say don't reinvent yourself. Become the person you've always wanted to be. Mm -hmm. So there are many individuals who are extremely active in their later years. They may be doing volunteer work. They may be involved with their grandchildren. They may be traveling and taking classes and not necessarily earning money. That's correct. But I encourage people to earn money. I have ways I can show them how to earn money even from home with their existing savings. But I also encourage people to start their own businesses. There might be something that you love to do that can be a business. My wife started a business at age 59. She was into natural health beauty products, got involved at a very late end. Now she's totally engulfed in it and loves it. Mm-hmm. Now we know, of course, that having personal freedom is important to be fed by financial freedom. Correct. So I'm curious, for, for someone who might be saying... Well, I've saved for many years, and I think that I can live a comfortable life the way that I am without earning further money. Yes. We should all be in that situation. Yeah. What would you say to that person, since you recommend keep earning money? Well, first of all, people have hidden assets that they don't know. Um, We talk about paying off your mortgage when you get to be retirement age, so-called retirement age, which I don't believe in. But what happens is if when you're older and your income goes down, if you need money from a mortgage, you can't get it. Now we have incredible low interest rates and mortgages. I encourage people in their 50s and 60s actually that still have a job to take the mortgage, very low interest. And now you have a big nest egg to do whatever you need to do, emergency funding, taking a round-the-world cruise, whatever it would be. Tap into that home equity. Mm-hmm. So you're suggesting to refinance? Well, uh, refinance, some people have zero financing on their houses because their goal was to pay it off. Others want to use retirement income to pay off their homes. And what happens is they get a huge tax bill when they take that money out of their retirement plans to pay off a mortgage that they really shouldn't be paying. They should actually be taking more at low interest rates and enjoying their lives. We don't encourage people to die rich. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the impetus, you know, thinking about that age group, 60s and above, what is the impetus for paying things off? Well, uh, people are conditioned to have further income in, the, in those years when, so they have enough money to live on. The insurance industry taps into that and sells people annuities. Annuities are really very complicated insurance policies that are very costly. People don't know that. A lot of the fees are tapped into those insurance brokers. I show people how to take the money they have and actually use it themselves to make money. Mm-hmm. And what do you think, aside, of course, from having financial freedom, especially for, let's say, for someone who does have financial freedom already or at least perceives that they do, yeah. what is important about continuing to earn money in your later years? More importantly is to have things in your life that give you thrills and excitement and continue to have that. Because people, when they reach those ages, uh, they're thinking about retirement. They're not thinking about doing new things. 
And I think living, is, in, in your life, it's very important to have those new, exciting things constantly happen that happen to you in your younger years. For me, when I got my first job, when I was young, I taught myself how to ride a bicycle. When I got married, all these special occasions that just resonance, uh, thrills and excitement. And if we're, if we're living in our later years to do nothing, we'll never be able to have those feelings. That's why I say have a business even financial freedom. By the way, it's fun to make money. People don't mm-hmm. realize that, but it's a lot of fun too. Mm-hmm. Under the umbrella of fulfillment, yes. you talk about essentially having something purposeful and fun that you're doing. What are some other recommendations that you offer? In terms of? Well, what goes, on, what goes into fulfillment? What creates a fulfilling life? Well, I think... Um, I, I've met a lot of people that have gone into business out of necessity. Um, you know, we all, when we're younger, we get married, we have children, we have to work and we have to earn money. But many of us might have had other pursuits that we wanted to uh, visualize and, and, and make real. might have been music, it might have been theater, it might have been writing, as in my case, and we've all put those things off. And we now have an opportunity to do those things, again, if we can afford to do those things. And I can teach people how to do that. And that's how another way you get real fulfillment in your life is doing those things you've always wanted to do. And again, feel like I've, I've really contributed to society. I've really done something that excites me, makes me want to wake up every day and face the world with a big smile. It sounds like something similar to a travel bug, yeah. that in order to have a travel bug, you need to travel. And, <laughs> and when you travel, it, yeah. it brings forth the energy and the interest and the curiosity to travel more. Yeah. And so the point that you're bringing up about keeping that flow going for yourself in your life, because many people reach a stage in their lives, even in earlier years, where they don't have somehow whatever it takes to muster up the spirit to try new things. It's such a good point, Hamda, because um, I've, I've always said that people whose ambition is to do as little as possible, they're going to miss everything. So you want to put yourself in a position where these things happen. And as you said, the travel bug, well, you travel and you get more of the bug. If you're doing something that's fulfilling in your life, the more you do, the more it can tr- compounds itself. And that's whether you have your own business, writing a book, acting in a play, giving people advice, whatever it might be, those things compound each other and make our lives worthwhile. It seems that some of the things that you're describing, also writing a book, being in a play, those things are creative. Starting your own business, that there's an element really of self-expression. Yes. That in the different roles we've played in our lives, and sometimes the more practical ones, if yeah. you, when you're raising a family and other times in your life where you think you need to be practical, that you can reignite those juices, those things that maybe you would have wanted to do that you never got to do. Exactly. And that it's very much about expressing parts of yourself that maybe you haven't connected with in a long time or you just haven't expressed before. Yeah. And it's a wonderful thing. I'm so glad you bring that up because it really is way of living and you can really achieve that in your 60 to 100 age group mm-hmm. and that's my mission to help people to really connect more with that I, I think to help people have exciting and fulfilling lives mm-hmm. during our new 100 years 
And think of all the people now that are coming into that age group, all the baby boomers. This is really the majority of the people living in America now, too. Mm-hmm. Scott, what do you say to the folks who are working constantly? So there's some individuals who are in their later years. My parents are a great example. They work more than anyone I know. <laughs> My father sometimes works seven days a week. Mm-hmm. And they've had this business they've cultivated over time. But I think also work offers a construct. Right? Sometimes people are concerned that if they let up on the work, that um, they're, they're going to let up somehow on their health, on their energy, on their stamina. Well, I think I'm a living example of that. You know, don't forget, I'm 63. I've been working in the same business since I was 21. And of course, when you're doing things that are interesting and exciting, time goes by very quickly. It's when you're sitting around doing nothing that people get depressed. And working can be a very good way of achieving the health and psychological health that we all need. So if you enjoy working, don't stop and, and have the mindset that you don't want to stop. And you're going to see that more and more now. You're going to see in law firms, they used to force lawyers to retire at 65. Not happening anymore. You're going to see that in more businesses. And you're going to see more older people coming back into the workplace, companies. Uh, you know, there was a movie about that with Robert De Niro called The Intern. Recently came back mm-hmm. to a dot-com at age 70. And uh, this is really something that's happening. Mm. And it's an interesting perspective when you talk about that movie, The Intern, which I saw also. Yeah. And how initially there, was a, there, there really wasn't a recognition of the value that he brought. Yeah, yeah. So that was that initial perception. And he didn't actually buy into that. No. And, and exactly your theory about living it and doing it becomes the reality. Mm-hmm. What I noticed, though, we go through our lives and... In our earlier years, we're looking to build confidence and to really understand what our capabilities are, which, of course, is there's no finish line to that. And it's interesting how you see, though, later in life also sometimes there's the, those confidence issues come up. Yeah. They may be with us all of our lives. But at a certain point, I think many of us develop that strong, more, that strong sense of identity, connection with, with our talents, and then when you can no longer do things the same way that you used to. Some people wind up being healthier later in life. Not yes. everyone's in a situation where they're worse off, so to speak. But what I see is that that also brings up some issues like um, my voice doesn't sound the way that it used to be. Yeah. Or we talk about, of course, physical things that change. Yeah. So I'm just curious what your thoughts are about that. Well, you know, first of all, we all know there are new advances in health and medicine constantly. And we know people are having hip replacements, knee replacements, everything you could think of to live. But even more importantly than that, it's psychological. Um, I started weightlifting when I was 53 years old. I, I could barely lift 100 pounds. Now at age 63, I bench press 315 pounds. Mm-hmm. Why did that happen? Part of it is physical, yes, but a lot of it is mental and the will to do that. And if you have that will and that positive thinking, Anything can, you can accomplish. And by the way, I think your voice is better now than it was because you have more control over your voice and you know your voice much better than you did 30 years ago. So think about that in terms of how we know ourselves better as well. Mm. It's an interesting perspective because it sounds like it's really about looking at what you do have. And sometimes we don't take stock of all that we've accomplished, but also 
where we are right now, what we have to give, what we bring, that just the act of realizing that is, very, is really transformational because oftentimes we're just focused on deficit, yeah. what it is that we've lost. Just like someone who maybe has diabetes or some other health condition and needs to change their eating habits, the tendency might be to look at, I can't eat all of these things anymore. It's really depressing. I feel like I'm living less. When in reality, you can take a look at learning about all of these new foods that you could eat that you've never had before. And becoming healthier than ever as well from that. Mm-hmm. So, so it sounds like, and I know that this, is, this was a wonderful gift that you received from your daughter mm-hmm. that you shared with me was a biography. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That something like that, that really allows you to go through the different paces of your life and why people write memoirs. One of the values of memoirs that it's very therapeutic and it also helps you feel how full you are. Yes. How prosperous your life has been. Very much so. And how much you've learned that you can share with others from that, which obviously is very important. We talk about leaving a legacy, but how about leaving a legacy now for everybody? That's what we, that's what we want to do. We want to share that joy and make sure that people feel the way we do because we get fulfillment from that also by helping others. Mm-hmm. So when you say leaving a legacy, share a little bit more about what you mean. Well, we talked about that biography that my daughter got for me. It actually left a legacy for my family, not mm-hmm. only about the things I've accomplished, but the history of my family, where I came from, my parents, my grandparents, everything, the bond that you form with people. And the legacy that you leave in terms of what you've accomplished for others, whether, again, we get into that age group of the new 100, we're doing things that are going to leave the world better for other people. We always say that younger people should make the world better. We want, but we should make the world better, too. Mm. We don't ever want to stop from doing that. So we want to think about this note of starting things that are new and leaving thinking about what you're leaving behind. Mm-hmm. We're going to go to a quick commercial. When we come back, Scott will talk more about the value of work in one's later years and also how you can ensure the financial security you need so you can focus on fulfillment. Stay with us. us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Imagine you hired a designer to redo your kitchen. Working with an expert to meet your needs was such a high. You're enjoying the new feature so much that you're waking up early to write the book that's been in your head for five years. The raised Caesar stone countertop and cushioned back stool are your writer's desk. With this comes the realization that all of the rooms in your home need to be redone to match the level of your kitchen. This scenario demonstrates my approach to executive and lifestyle coaching. It involves understanding what compatibility means to you at different times in relationships, career, nutrition, and other quality of life areas. 
It's also about elevating your game personally and professionally. Given my multidisciplinary expertise, we can address a range of needs that are critical to your fulfillment and success. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, Managing Director of Life and Career Choices, a global executive coaching and concierge practice. Learn more about my services and contact me through lifeandcareerchoices.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. Got a question or comment for the show today? Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to hosthemda at gmail.com. Now, back to Turn the Page. Welcome back. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, speaking with author, executive, search firm entrepreneur, and professional investor, Scott Gerson. Scott, you shared why you advise people not to retire at all. And we talked about the importance of starting something new in your later years to really connect with the life within you that has yet to live and express itself. Are there some, there are some other thoughts that you'd want to share about the value of work? Well, you know, Hemda, I think that one of the things that we want to address is when we're in our younger years and working, the business environment has really changed. There's very little loyalty at companies these days. People can lose their jobs at a moment's notice. And I really encourage people to feel like they are their own business. Youareyourself.com. Because your employer now really doesn't have the same amount of loyalty that you might have had working at General Motors 40 years ago, where there was a retirement plan all laid out for you and everything was easy and, and the 50s were a great time of, of economics and and social activities for people. Well, right now, as you know, with the recession that we've had and what's happened to people's jobs and how we're recovering, um, I, I try to encourage people to always feel like they have their own business. Even when they're working for somebody, you should still feel like you're an independent entity because anything can happen. So when you reach our years of the new 100, we almost have that mindset that we are our own business And then with that mindset, it's very easy to start something new that you might be very interested in. Maybe it was a hobby. Maybe it was a business activity that you've always wanted to get into. I say start it. And and it's very exciting. Again, gives you that fulfillment and may also bring in revenue that might be very exciting for you. It doesn't have to be a tremendous amount of revenue. Keep in mind, we don't need as much money anymore. We sent our kids through college already. We've already maybe had a child married. So now in our, in our 60 to 100 age group, you actually don't need as much money as you think. It's the financial industry that's trying to encourage you to give them as much money as possible so that they can use it for their fees. And the return on your investment from a lot of these big firms is very minimal. Many of them have lost money for you this year. Mm. It's an interesting point that you bring up because I know myself having worked with some large corporations in situations where people were looking for new jobs. People within those companies with all the organizational changes were looking for new work. They were in their later years and they were looking forward and some of them may not have done as well, like you're saying, with their financial investments. Some of them are working hard also because they need to help their kids and their grandchildren. 
and they're concerned about working in in years to come mm-hmm. in in situations where they're not self-employed and you're suggesting explore the possibility of self-employment always because we should always consider ourselves self-employed even when we're working for someone else because that's the reality and benefits are getting fewer and fewer as well from these companies more, contri- more contributions are required. So every, every day, every month, every year, we're undergoing more of a strain where we have to really think of ourselves as independent entities. And that sets ourselves up for the future to actually be an independent entity because the mindset now mm-hmm. has changed. So for someone who might say to you, well, I've worked with an employer my whole life. I don't really see myself as someone who maybe has the preference or some of the skill sets to run my own business. You have to deal with sales. You have to deal with marketing, ongoing business development. What would you say to that person? Well, I would say to that person, um, it's very important to be out there. So even if it's a part-time job, I mentioned Starbucks before as an example. and I'm saying what we do doesn't define us. So we, work, we can work at Starbucks and, 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 and serve coffee. We're meeting people. We're having a fun day. And by the way, when we go home, we can have another activity, maybe our own business, maybe something expressional that we do. That's what really defines us. But our job doesn't. But it's important to do something mm-hmm. and be out there. We don't want to sit at home and do nothing. That, mm-hmm. that is what brings on depression and health issues. Right. So the important thing really is to be engaged. And it comes back to the example of the intern, the movie that you mentioned with Robert De Niro, that he, he was willing to be an intern. He felt a sense of energy and vitality in his life, but he, but he just felt like something was missing. He really wanted to engage his talent yeah. and his resources. And it wasn't necessarily for the income. And I will share with, with you and your audience how many people have more income than they even know about and how to tap into that. Mm-hmm. I think it's an important point that you underscore, and we'll get to the income part because I think that's really vital for a lot of people. The point, though, it sounds like you're making is that the most important thing is to be engaged. Yes. And yes. then it's, it's kind of, I taught, had this conversation with some folks this week, it's the concept of the mundane magical, right, that you, you can take something like Robert De Niro took this intern experience and it wasn't much starting out and it turned out to be a really profound experience. Yeah. And so even doing something, um, like you said, in a local business, that doesn't pay that much. The idea is that you're keeping yourself engaged in the world. And, and keep in mind that even in my business, I'm always an opportunist. That's what I do best. Take opportunities that come along and make them into something. We want to be engaged. Those opportunities do come along. We don't know what they will be. But if we're not out there meeting people, we'll never experience that. That's so important. Mm. And I know we've talked about this, Scott, that sometimes an opportunity really, it has no bells and whistles. It doesn't seem that exciting. Coming back to your story, actually, of how you even got into this industry. And I'd love for you to share that. Would you like me to share that? I'd love for you to share just to underscore the idea that you mentioned, which is that it's not about the ego coming into play and saying, well, I had this accomplished career and now I'm taking this job that really seems like a very small scale opportunity. I I was coming out of college and I wanted to go to law school and I did not have the money to pay for law school. 
I opened up the New York Times, went through the Help Wanted section, went through every ad there was in the Help Wanted section. I spotted one that got my attention. It said, are you stimulated? It was for administrative assistant. I never thought I'd want to be administrative assistant, but I wanted to meet the person that wrote that ad. I went to the company. It was a personnel agency. It was the receptionist's first day. It was an agency for programmers. Receptionist thought I was a programmer, had me take a seat. I waited two hours. I finally met the owner of the company who took me back into his office. And as we talked, his phone was constantly ringing at five lines at once. Looked at me. He said, would you like to take this call? I looked back at him. I said, give me the phone. And I started work that day. Mm. And that's how I got into the business. And you waited how long to get in? Two hours. So that's an interesting point. <laughs> Many of us would have just left at that point. Yes. And not stayed. But while I was sitting there, I was looking at everything that was going on and taking it in. I had never mm-hmm. been to an agency before. I didn't even know what it was. Mm-hmm. But I learned along the way by observing. So by the time I got in there, I knew I was ready. And again, opportunity came my way. I'm an opportunist. It felt right. Something good was going on. I just grabbed it. And by the way, it was $115 a week, the most money I ever made. Mm. And it blossomed into. It did. Hey, here we are. Mm. How many years later? Forty-one years later. Be out there. And by the way, those forty-one years—wonderful years—but they go by so quickly, and I'm still getting better every day. Mm-hmm. So on that note of getting better every day, what are some ideas that you can share on the financial piece? Well, I use. My sister-in-law is a really good example. My sister-in-law is 65 years old, and her husband passed away three years ago, left her with no money, a house that was fully mortgaged, but fortunately, she had a life insurance policy for $250,000. She spoke to me. I went down for the funeral. She was crying that she would have to sell her house. How am I going to live? And I said, you're going to live fine. Don't worry. She has a part-time job. She makes $20,000 a year from her part-time job. We looked at her finances. We looked at her mortgage payments, everything. And she needed an additional $20,000 a year to stay in her house. I said, don't worry. I'll take care of everything for you. I'm going to teach you how to earn that extra $20,000. We took the $250,000 life insurance policy. I put it into a brokerage account. I put $50,000 away for emergencies. And I taught her how to invest $200,000 and learn about the income one can get from options. Options is not a term that uh, financial advisors will share with you. They don't want you to buy and sell options. They don't make money from that. They make money from managing your money. But when you take options and use that as a powerful tool, you're really taking an income and it's the most conservative form of investing you can possibly have. I share that with people and explain it to them by making a comparison. Compare stocks to real estate. If you own a building and the building is worth a million dollars and you're able to rent that building out for, let's say, $20,000 a year, well, let's even say more, let's say $50,000 a year, you are collecting rent. It doesn't matter that one year the building's worth a million, another year it's worth 800000 another year it's worth $1,200,000. You're always collecting rent. We're not selling the building at all. When you own stocks, you can collect rent from those stocks, and that rent is in the form of options premiums that you you can collect. And this is how we earn that additional income. 
And that's what I share with people. Mm-hmm. So essentially, she's investing for herself at this point? I'm advising her on how to do it, but yes, she's investing for herself. Mm-hmm. Correct. So for those who don't have such a wonderful brother-in-law, yes, what would you recommend? I, I recommend reading. And I really recommend reading. There are tremendous amounts of books about learning about options. Most people, 99% of people that I talk to when I mention the word options, not for me. It's a scary term. But when you take control of your life and take control of your finances and learn about that, it becomes very interesting, very exciting, and a really great form of conservative income that can give you the money you need to travel, to live, to stay in your house, even deal with health-related issues. Mm-hmm. So for those who are a little intimidated about approaching it on their own through reading, are there any connects to advisors who might be able to help them out? Well, again, advisors don't advise you about this because it's not in their best interest. Then They're not making anything from this. They want to sell you management fees, insurance policies, retirement plans, annuities, whatever it might be that make them fees. This is not something that they want you to do because you're taking charge of your own finances. This is the future. So a lot of these large investment banks are now really only dealing with total high net worth individuals and where they make management fees. What are you going to do? Where are you going to go? Companies like interactive brokers that you might see on TV, other companies you want to go to, these are the companies that let you manage your own money and your own activities for very low fees. And anybody can learn about this very quickly. Take charge. Mm-hmm. So some of the suggestions that you offered around finances are not to be concerned about having a mortgage. And that offers you, especially in these times of lower interest rates, more disposable income. Much more. Tremendous amount. You can tap into that equity you have in your home and have unbelievable lifestyle changes. And by the way, a lot of these financial firms are selling reverse mortgages. Tremendous fees involved with the reverse mortgages. It's actually... Uh, the opposite of what I'm recommending. Tell us more about that. Reverse mortgage means basically that a bank is going to own your house when you die, and they're going to pay you a monthly income from owning your house. Well, that monthly income has tremendous fees they're going to take with it also, and you're really shrinking the equity you own in that home, where if you take a mortgage on, on a home, low fees, low payments, and you get a total debt loan payment immediately that you can do anything with. What's the difference? Mm-hmm. The difference is actually real money. Mm. So go for the mortgage. Stay away Set. from the reverse mortgage and mm-hmm. also be attentive to other fees that may be wrapped into financial transactions. Tremendous fees. And that's what they're selling on TV. They're really selling their plan, not your plan. Look into options. Absolutely. Everybody should. It takes a little work, but the work can be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And continue working. Always The third suggestion I was hearing, even if it's a position that is not high paying. Whatever it might be. Have your own business. Very important. You can have your own business. Have a small job. You can do lots of things. And these things will all give you that thrill of living and continue on that journey so we all reach the new 100. Mm -hmm. Scott, let's talk a little bit more about having your own business. Because looking at... Some of the stereotypes around being an entrepreneur, 
which of course can reflect realities, you know, in the sense that we have to, we do have to market ourselves. We do have to focus on sales. And at the same time today, and you gave an example of your wife, Leslie, who's self-employed. There are so many different permutations around self-employment that it doesn't mean you need to be absolutely your own entity. You can still work with an organization and be self-employed. Well, it's funny you should say that because the new economy is an online economy. And many large companies that used to market directly now use, quote-unquote, multi-level marketing. Some of these terrific companies... In multi-level marketing, each person that, that becomes a consultant is really an independent business for themselves. Some of these companies are tremendously well-managed with thousands, even hundreds of thousands of consultants. Some of them are on a mission, health, wellness, which is a big topic for our age group. And you can have your own business but still be part of a larger organization with people that you enjoy meeting and working with and, again, it might be something that is a passion for you as well. So you can make money, have a camaraderie, have a larger company behind you, but still have an independent business. And the idea with some of these larger companies is they want you really to focus on a locality. But that locality, again, is changing with the Internet. We're becoming mm-hmm. global. You can have a business that is global through the Internet, as, as, as you know, when we go to look at a product, very often we might actually be sent to China for that product and have it sent to us here. So, you, so in this global economy, the Internet really is uh, making us more than just local. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like it comes back to the idea also, focus on your strengths, focus on your interests, really surface those interests that may have kind of fallen into the dust years back surface the newer interest that you have now that you never had and begin to explore around that and see if there are options where there's already an infrastructure set up. You don't necessarily need to recreate it. And at the same time, you can have autonomy. Yeah, and it might be something that you were a customer of and fell in love with and pursued and found an outlet for your strengths and, and products that you believe in. Mm-hmm. So these are, these are the start of some recommendations around how to even go about exploring these scenarios. So looking at the products, the services that you are a consumer of, and that could be a place where you might find some opportunity. Very much so. And, and that's happening quite a bit. Mm. Are there any other recommendations that you have for exploring entrepreneurial opportunities? Well, I think, again, there are a lot of focus groups these days. And uh, there are you know, a lot of us have expertise in different areas, and many marketing companies are interested in tapping into that. So there are a tremendous amount of focus groups and focus activities now that need people to participate in. From those groups, you meet people, you meet entrepreneurs, and you also meet companies that are marketing. And again, we don't know where the opportunities are going to take us. But again, if we get out there and do things, who knows? The world is still ours. Mm-hmm. So the underlying idea is to really explore, talk to people, join groups, and see if maybe there are some existing ventures that you can be a part of. Yeah, and you can do this again while you're working, even if you're working for somebody else, even if you're working at Starbucks. We all we talk about multi-level marketing. How about multi-level interests? 
Mm-hmm. And I want to come back to that. <laughs> we're going we're to go to a brief commercial. Stay tuned to benefit from Scott's suggestions on achieving and maintaining financial freedom in your later years. We'll talk more about that. it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Imagine you hired a designer to redo your kitchen. Working with an expert to meet your needs was such a high. You're enjoying the new feature so much that you're waking up early to write the book that's been in your head for five years. The raised Caesar stone countertop and cushioned back stool are your writer's desk. With this comes the realization that all of the rooms in your home need to be redone to match the level of your kitchen. This scenario demonstrates my approach to executive and lifestyle coaching. It involves understanding what compatibility means to you at different times in relationships, career, nutrition, and other quality of life areas. It's also about elevating your game, personally and professionally. Given my multidisciplinary expertise, we can address a range of needs that are critical to your fulfillment and success. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, Managing Director of Life and Career Choices, a global executive coaching and concierge practice. Learn more about my services and contact me through lifeandcareerchoices.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. Got a question or comment for the show today? Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to hosthemda at gmail.com. Now, back to Turn the Page. We're back. I'm Hemda Mizrahi with author, executive search firm entrepreneur, and professional investor Scott Gerson. We spoke about the value of working instead of retiring. We talked about different approaches to achieve financial security, financial freedom, including mortgages, options, exploring entrepreneurial opportunities. Scott, under the umbrella of financial security and fulfillment, what else would you offer in terms of suggestions? Well, I think one of the things that even got me started on writing a book and, and how it evolved is I also, I also, when I was young, I had no intention of going into business at all. As a matter of fact, my life ambition probably was to live on an island in Tahiti mm-hmm. and do absolutely nothing. So look how much I've changed. But I always had an artistic uh, side to me. I was an actor. I acted in plays all through college egotistical ham, love to be in front of an audience. That's really why I wanted to be a lawyer, because I actually wanted to stand in front of a jury, you know, really make my case. And, and I thought that would be an exciting life for me. Well, I never did that. I ended up in business. I ended up working. I found fulfillment in that. I found something I could be the best at, which really gave me a lot, a lot of mm-hmm. uh, challenges, but really joy in, in what I did. But along the way, 
I met a tremendous amount of artists, writers, actors, people that I gravitated towards because that was the life I wanted. And it was really unusual that I found most of those people, I would say 99.9% of them, couldn't make any money. Most talented people in the world, but they had to wait on tables. One of my closest friends won the Canadian Academy Award for Best Short Film. He wrote it, directed, starred in it. He sold it, the most money ever made. $50,000 to Canadian Broadcasting. And now he's still a struggling artist and a very talented one. Mm -hmm. And then I met many people like myself who went into business. They made tremendous amounts of success through their drive and energy and made lots of money, but never realized the, the artistic fulfillment that they really wanted to have in their lives. And now we reach a point where we're all at the new 100. What are we gonna do? Well. I want to teach that artist that couldn't make any money. I'm going to teach him how to make money now. Things we talked about, things that will allow him not only to express himself artistically, but actually to be able to live like we live. And then I want to teach the business entrepreneur, the person that maybe was the trumpet player in college or the person that was the actor, the writer, whatever it would be, and just put that aside. We want that person to get out there now and do what they love to do. That doesn't mean they have to give up their business. They can keep working and doing that. But maybe they want to act in the community theater. Maybe they want to get involved in uh, some kind of music activity. I had a cousin, my favorite cousin. Uh, His name is Murray Davidson. Murray was an executive with Celanese Corporation. Uh, At age 60, when he left, he formed a band called the North Coast All-Stars, a band of 60 and over talented musicians. Murray was a trumpet player, tremendous trumpet player. As a matter of fact, had a band on the side that played at my bar mitzvah. Mm-hmm. When he got older, he formed the North Coast All-Stars. They traveled all over the country and became very successful and uh, uh, public television did a special on them. They were all in their 60s and 70s and they became super successful as musicians, all left the business world to do that. What a joy in their lives, pioneers in the new 100. But these are people that give me the ideas and, 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 and the necessary tools to achieve that type of joy and fulfillment in our lives. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's part of my mission. So it sounds like there's the possibility for all of us to experience a certain type of joy and fulfillment that we've never had before in our later years. It has to be. We, we have to have that in our lives to live. That's what I call living. Mm-hmm. And let's say for those individuals whose close friends are no longer here, for those who don't live in adult communities, people they can meet, how do you go about connecting with new people? Hemda, I, I'm so glad you brought that up because you, you, you come into an area of my life where everything hasn't been a joy. Um, the three most important friends in my life all passed away two in their 50s and one in their 60s. One was the person that introduced me to the business, the guy on the other end of the phone that was my mentor. Um, Another was my attorney who actually knew enough to run my business on his own, the most wonderful person in the world, the greatest shape, went out for a run one day and didn't come back. And the other was somebody I was involved with with charitable activities that got me involved on a board of directors of a charity, brought me into it. And he passed away as well on the tennis court. So we never know what's going to These are very important people in my life. 
um, and, and really affected me deeply. But I always say when that happens, please take that with you, all the things that you had, the joy that you had with them. Internalize, I, I, think, I actually think of them every day. But the most important thing that I try to tell people is we don't want to move on. A lot of people say we should forget all that. I say, no, we don't want to forget all that. We want to take it all in and move ahead. And I think that's the key to dealing with these type of issues and health issues that people have and losing loved ones. It's going to happen. But we want to take them with us and we want to continue to move ahead. And believe me, they want you to as well. Mm. Yeah, and of course, not to mention losing a significant other that you've been with for a long time. Yeah. The underlying point then, coming back to a previous conversation that we had earlier Mm -hmm. today, is really about taking stock of what you have as opposed to being overwhelmed by the losses. Yeah, and I I think it's also very important to... um, never really be sorry for anything that you've done because um, we don't want to carry with us things that we can't change. We want to learn from those things and we do want to move ahead. And I think having that type of philosophy, I have no regrets, is very important to living. And, And hopefully you've done everything you can in the past to make your life great and help others. But if you haven't, don't have regrets, learn from that move ahead, and do wonderful things. Mm, there's still an opportunity to do that. There has to be. We know there is. I had an experience with my aunt who was in her late 70s and wound up in the hospital with a serious infection for a couple of months. And when we went to visit her, what she said is that, I want to help people. I just want to help people. There was something about that experience that gave her that fresh outlook and energy. Isn't that wonderful? And now she looks forward to every day and even from that terrible experience, look what came out of that. And that's the idea. And when I said not be overwhelmed by loss, of course we're going to be overwhelmed by loss and we're going to go through the mourning processes. The question is what happens at a later point though. Yes. And it seems that you're pointing to the fact that we just keep needing to tap into. It's kind of like acupressure points, acupuncture points. Yeah. We have to tap into that place where our energy is stagnant yeah. and really help to shift that yeah. and, and realize and know yeah. that there's a lot of life within us still. And we try to talk about those loved ones that passed every day and the wonderful things about them and the things in their life that made other people's lives better and use that for other people to help them as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that also ties into courage. Because it reflects on the idea that you're capable, even though things have changed within you. Yeah. Even if in some ways you feel less strong than you were and more vulnerable, there's so much still support and wisdom and love that you can offer other people. Hamda, I'm going to tell you a story if we have another minute. This one's about my mother. My mother was a very independent woman and actually... uh, started working when she was 16. She became an executive in one of the women's clothing stores at age 21. Um, Got married at a young age. That marriage broke apart. Her husband actually died and uh, remarried in later life. And when I was about 10 years old, she went back to work. I was actually a latchkey child. 
my mother ran two or three charitable organizations and was head of admissions at, at a hospital. And when she was about 62, 61, 62, she contracted breast cancer. Never told anybody. She went to chemotherapy and went to work every day after it. She worked in a hospital, mind you. Nobody in the hospital knew she was sick until she died. And that type of courage and what she took to do that and how she kept going every day without anybody even knowing is remarkable. And that's something that obviously stayed with me quite a while. I I admire her for that strength, that fortitude, that toughness, but not even letting cancer stop her from doing what she really enjoyed doing. Mm -hmm. It sounds like she was focused a lot more on living than on dying. (laughs) Much, much, much so. And the other important part is, uh, this, this happened many years ago, uh, but she donated her eyes to science, which is something that was not done. This was in 1979. And, and the doctors that did it, it had to be done right away, immediately, because the eye tissue can deteriorate. And they came, and at any time, any family member or anything could have stopped it. Anybody could have said anything. So, of course, I didn't tell anybody because it's my mother. Look what she went through. And uh, those doctors wrote me the most incredible letter about my mother and how she benefited people. And this was before people ever did anything like that. So even after she died, she took that attitude with her as well. Mm. And again, the message is there's so much for each individual to give at any stage of their lives. And look at the strength that she gave with and how even dying didn't deter her from giving. Mm-hmm. We talked about strategies for tapping into that for some people who maybe feel a little bit more shut down and especially after maybe experiencing losses, experiencing health issues, being concerned, really connecting a lot with the end. In terms of strategies, we talked about doing something, finding creative outlets, and also the practical resources that you can tap into to help you really have that personal freedom to explore and continue to express yourself. Well, Hemda, if you're sitting around doing nothing, then probably you're going to be thinking about the end every minute that you're living. If you're doing things and keeping busy, keeping occupied, contributing to society, getting joy in your life, you're not thinking about the end. You don't have time to think about the end because you are living. And if you can live every moment like that, of course the end will come but the end will come, you'll have a smile on your face. Mm-hmm. Coming, coming back to the idea of the legacy is that it's not just what you're experiencing now, it's also what you're leaving behind for people that you can feel really good about. Yeah, look what my mother left behind. Mm. Wonderful note to wrap up on. Thank you, Scott, for my this pleasure. uplifting perspective and really practical strategies and also for being a living example of your upcoming book. So. If you'd like to get a little bit more in-depth understanding and perspective on the ideas that Scott talked about today, look out for The New 100, A Revolutionary Guide for Living for Ages 60 to 100, which is expected to be out this summer. And and I'll post excerpts on thenew100.net also, so on a monthly basis. Phenomenal. Thenew100.net is another resource you can look at. And you can also learn more about Scott's executive search firm and contact him through focuscapital.com. That's F-O-C-U-S-C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. 
Please spread the word about the show and stay connected by following me on Twitter at Hemda Mizrahi and liking us on Facebook at Turn the Page Radio. Until next week, remember to make the grass greener where you are. I'm Hemda Mizrahi with Turn the Page. Thank you for tuning in to our program. Turn the Page can be heard live every Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next week's show, enjoy your weekend and make one change in your life before then.